You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. John Worth, I'm here. It's this week's Sports Illustrated slash Tennis Channel Tennis Podcast. I'm here with my collaborator and partner in crime, Jamie Lasanti. The French Open draw for 2019 has just been released uh, within the last few moments. So before I leave for Paris, Jamie and I are going to go through the draw, do a little preview. I would be remiss if I failed to point out that Tennis Channel will be broadcasting from Roland Garros starting Sunday. The French Open, and Jamie does not like this, is the lone Grand Slam, the lone major that begins play on a Sunday, trying to get uh, an extra session out of the players. Whether that's reflected in prize money or not uh, is a discussion for another time. So anyway, here is uh, here's the draw. It has just come out again, literally within uh, within minutes. Um, I am I don't know, Jamie. Where should we begin? I guess we'll start. Uh, you know what? Let's do something different. Let's start on the women's side. You know why? Because I am looking at the top quadrant, and you know what I'm seeing. What are you saying? Naomi Osaka's bid to win three straight majors, something no female player's done uh, except for Serena Williams in the last quarter century. Naomi Osaka is attempting to do that, and I don't like her odds. You know why? Why is that? Because she plays the winner of Ostapenko and Azarenka. Those are two major winners in the past. They will play in the first round, and the winner gets to play Osaka. Then I see... Other players, I see Maria Sakari, who beat Kvitova in Rome and uh, is an ascending young player. She looms. Caroline Garcia, who was in the top 10 not that long ago, she is in that quadrant. Madison Keys, a semifinalist last year at Roland Garros, is in that quadrant. Same for a player from America. She's 37 years old. I suspect you've heard her name. Serena Williams is in that quadrant. And even Bianca Andreescu, who won Indian Wells. Um it's an interesting, uh, interesting draw for uh, for Naomi Osaka. But if I were a betting man, and I hasten to say I'm not, um, I don't like her her chances here. That's that's a rough, rough draw for. Uh, you forgot for Naomi Ash Osaka. Barty all Ash, the way down there in that quadrant too. Ash Barty's in that same quadrant. Yeah. 
Oh, you're right. Ash Barty's the last name in that quadrant. Wow. Yeah. Against Jesse Pagula. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's a... So it's a... Wow. That, what, what are we calling that? The quarter of death? Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, first of all, Asapenko, Azarenka, first rounder. Who do you like? Sign me up. Who what do you time does like? it start? So apparently, uh, <laughs> I'm just looking this on Twitter. Stuart Fraser... Or someone tweeted this. I'll give Stuart Fraser credit uh, just because he's a good follow. I don't know if he's the one. But um, apparently, the, the MC of the draw said, that's a good match several years ago. Um... <laughs> Salty. I was listening and to the draw you know on silent. Did you? Oh, oh you missed. Uh, you missed screen. that salty line. I, I would <laughs> say not so fast. Ostapenko only won this event two years ago, and Azarenka has been playing some inspired tennis, playing a lot of doubles with the aforementioned Ash Barty. Azarenka, a two-time major winner, she knows her way around a clay court. I like that match. I don't care if it's two years ago. I'm watching Azarenka Ostapenko. Same. I mean, I think it's because we expect those names to be you know, pitted against each other in the second or third round. I mean, when you got those two names, one of them is going to be out at the end of that match. And, and the winner gets to play the one seed. Yeah, I mean, that's a it's it's a good matchup. I like that first round matchup. Yeah, um, that, that is a rough part of the draw, though. Yeah, um, I mean, Serena should have, you know, no trouble first rounder. But after that... Yeah, she gets... Um, yeah, I mean, she could, she could... I mean, if Naomi gets through... That's her quarterfinal. But before she gets there, but even uh, before she gets there, yeah, exactly. I mean, she has so much to go through. Yeah, that's that's a lot of heavy lifting. This was not a great draw for either Williams sister because I am jumping ahead to the bottom half of the draw and I see that Venus plays. Did you see that? I did. Svitolina, the ninth seed. This is why unseeded. What Venus uh, Williams? Unse- plays. Well, exactly. You uh, right. You Sorry. you gave no no. You <laughs> gave me a uh, you gave me a softball. You're exactly right. This is why it's so important to be a top 32 player or to have a top 32 seed because otherwise uh, you, you have that top 32 seed and you're guaranteed not to play anyone until the third round. Um, conversely, you're number 33 and below. You could face anyone. Um, Jamie, let's let's sort of go big picture and then we can burrow down a bit. Simona Halep is the defending champion. Uh, Sloan Stevens was a finalist last year. Two years ago, as we talked about, Ostapenko won this event. Um, you know, Mugu, who's now remarkably not a top twenty player, is a is a former champion as well. That is remarkable. Um, yeah, I, I that's that's an awful lot of game and an unseemly ranking. But, um, but who do you like? I mean, if you if you're picking favorites here, uh, we we talk about this all the time that the women's fields tend to be wide open. That certainly is reflected in the betting. Your uh, give me give me your top three picks in order. Yeah, I think it's hard. So I was working on our roundtable before the draw came out. And after the draw came out, that that first quarter just literally shook up everything. I right. think I just hit delete on my entire <laughs> Word doc. Um, you got to give Serena a chance. I mean, just like Federer, I think, on, on the men's side, you know, someone who has hasn't played there um, or, you know, just hasn't played that much. They're both late in their careers. But at the end of the day, they are both big-time champion. Serena has won three times in Paris and, you know, Federer not so much, but you can't count her out. Right. Um, I don't care about the knee injuries. I don't care about, you know, her not playing as much. She gets rolling here. Um, you know, I, I, I don't see why she can't do do some sort of damage. You worry about Naomi Osaka in that draw, in, in, in that draw, in that quarter. So she was someone who I thought could really do something here, and that worries me a bit. Um, I speaking to our colleague Stanley K the other day I think Simona Halep has a good chance now also seeing her draw she's been kind of like quietly under the radar 
in the you know the past few months leading up to this tournament, which I think is the way she kind of prefers to operate, and I think that could do well for her. No titles in 2019 for Simona Halep. Uh, you are picking the player who's not only the defending champion, but as we record this, uh, she's also number one with with she's a betting favorite. So um, you are a lot of people in agreement. What about with you? you? Um, I don't know. I mean, I have some recency bias. Uh, Pliskova coming off the Rome title is a player to like. I kind of, uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I think Serena, you know, I'll go, I'll go back to Serena. What do we always say about players when they get older? Sort of a lot has to go right. Um, I don't think a lot is going to go right for Serena, unfortunately. I mean, I think if she had a soft draw, if the weather cooperated, if she got through the first week without much of a sweat, but boy, She's probably going to have to work just right. to get through the middle weekend, and you wonder what she has left. I just, I mean, I just, Serena, we just don't have the data points, right? I mean, she's mm-hmm. Serena Williams, and well, you that's what I think it is. Underestimate her. Uh, yeah, I mean, the the ball striking is second to none. The competitive will is second to none. She's beaten six players this year, so I think we just haven't seen the match play. Um, Sloan Stevens. I was going to say Sloan Stevens. I think is the wild card here, which. I think we could say about her in any Grand Slam tournament, you know, which side of the bed is she going to wake up on? Right. She was a runner-up last year, and I think she really I think she really thought she could win that match. Um, I think that was a match I remember her seeing her afterwards, and then she was a lot more, like, visibly upset at the, at the loss than I remember her. You know, sometimes I think she really just, like, says, okay, I played great, I got this far, and she's, she's a little bit happy with that. Um, when she lost to Halep, I think she really thought she could do it. Um, and I think that, that that could help her, hurt her this year. I don't know. Nice clay court player. Sloan Stevens is. Um, I'll give you five names. Recently engaged, by the way. I'll have that's you right. Know. And uh, new, new coach as well. A lot of changes with, uh, with Sloney. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let me, um, I'm going to throw you five names. Just uh, have at them. All Ready? Right. Um, let's start with uh, Kiki Burtons, hot player from, uh, from the Netherlands, who you got the news report. You got the breaking news that she's a top five <laughs> player. She's the fourth, she's used the fourth seed here. She's, um. Her clay court uh, record speaks for itself. Nice late career surge. Not a bit of a late bloomer, but uh, better late than never. What uh, she's she's the fourth seed, and she is in the Sloan Stevens quadrant. What do we think about Kiki Burton's Jamie? That's an interesting quadrant. I think if you looking at the draw, it's probably the second toughest. I, yeah, I would say I'd agree with that. Um, I mean, ben- Benchich would be my pick to get through that quadrant. Right. And and so that's what I was going to say is that, uh, you know, looking at that draw, I think she she has a chance here. And she's she's one of those players that's really tricky. And I think she frustrates a lot of her opponents. Um, so it could be interesting if she gets through. You have Kanta, Donna Benchich. But Benchich is kind of my... Um, my little dark horse. Mine as well. Pick. Uh, uh, we did not rehearse this in advance. I think you know <laughs> the other thing I think we forget sometimes is that from players nearby, from uh, players from the Netherlands as Burton's is, players from Belgium, even players from from Switzerland, it's kind of a home game. 
I mean, ba- Basel, Switzerland, where Roger's from, is as far away from Paris as D.C. is from New York. So um, right. I, it's an added pressure. I don't think we often think about this, certainly in the, in the U.S. I mean, Justine Hennon playing the French Open, is that's that's a home game. That's a kid from Philly playing uh, at the U.S. It's Open. It's a weekend trip. Exactly. So yeah. um, I, I think that's something that we often don't uh, – Consider. I'll give you uh, a, f- a few other names. Patrick Fidova, who is a multiple-time winner and came very, very close to winning the Australian Open in that final against Osaka. Nice clay court player. Has been a bit, di- but the Australian Open notwithstanding, has been a bit disappointment in the majors. But uh, what do we think of her, Jamie? I think it's great. So last year she came back uh, for the French versus coming back from Wimbledon after she had that incident. And I thought it was great that she decided to do that, um, you know, knowing very well that Wimbledon is kind of her space. And she came back a little early um, and, you know, got some some time under her belt. And now fast forward a year and she's in a much better place. I think she's gotten so much more comfortable on the clay in the past year um, and really shown that she could she can play. Um, Where is she? Where is she, she is the, the sixth seed in the last name on the first, so second quadrant, there first page. Um, give me your, uh, give, give me A, your best player seed 17 to 32, and then give me your unseeded dark horse. You want me to go first? Yes. Um, she's in that rough quarter, but uh, take a look. Maria Sakari has uh, been playing very well, and... As far as an unseated dark horse, I keep an eye on Monica Puig, who, remember, won the gold medal uh, less than two years ago at the Olympics. That was on a hard court. But nevertheless, she's kind of started to awaken a bit. It's been a rough 18 months or so for her. But um, I also, uh, Von Drusova, I'm looking for here. I do not see her. Here she is in the uh, the fourth quadrant. The teenage Czech who plays big and plays small. She has a nice, nice variety to her game. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of clay court performance we're going to see from Andrescu, who was such a terrific player in March and then uh, probably overplayed, had a shoulder injury, and has not played since Miami. But here we'll see her on the clay, and we'll see her as the 22nd seed. This is a player who started the year outside the top 100, and now uh, she's seeded number 22. Uh, what do you got, Jamie? Two more. Uh, 17 to 32 and then unseeded. Petra Martic, definitely. Um, good, good athletic player. Been been uh, to the second week of the French Open before. That's a nice call. Right. So that's what I was going to say. Uh, you know, been there before. Ostapenko Azarenka, perhaps? You think one of them will get through that quarter? I think whoever wins that has a real shot. No, I don't think they'll get through the quarter, but I think whoever wins that has a real shot against Osaka. Mm-hmm. Um, who, remember, had that strange injury in Rome. Again, Naomi Osaka and... Bless her. I think this is completely to her credit. She's, she's won three titles for her career. Indian Wells and a pair of majors. Never won a clay court title. Um, let me let me spoon feed you uh, spoon spoon feed you another name as we uh, we go down the list. Uh, Svetlana Kuznetsova, former mm. champion. Always it's a few d- years ago. It's a decade yes. ago, but uh, get, might I suggest uh, she'll give Pliskova a workout in the second round? Definitely. All right. Good. Um, and Venus Williams, can we just say, can we can we just have a moment unseated, but no, good, absolutely. I mean, good we her. we I don't think it's really discussed enough how great you know we talk about Serena and we talk about Federer, but Venus is out there and she is she is older and she is still going along here and um, you know props to props to Venus. I'm totally with you. And <laughs> I also say, uh, you're right. I mean, you, we talk about Serena at age 37. Venus, we forget, is the 
older sibling. I think she's out here. Why is she out here? Because she enjoys the competition. Is she going to win this tournament? Unlikely. But uh, I give her for a lot of credit. This nonsense. I wrote about this this week, about this nonsense of telling athletes when they need to retire and tarnishing reputations. We need to retire the phrase tarnished reputation. Venus Williams has not won a major in more than a year, and I mean more than t- a decade, and you know what? It has not tarnished anything. Um, all right, you're saying uh, you're saying Holop. I'm saying Pliskova. Not particularly bold. We're going with the, uh, the, the top two choices. Neither of us particularly likes the one seed and that unfortunate draw she has. Any other uh, parting thoughts before we move on to the men? I was going to say, I'll give you one more unseeded. Good. Uh, Kiki Maldenovich, because mm-hmm. only because uh, I would like to see her and her new coach, um, you know, figure something out. She she beat Belinda Bentrich uh, a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, very good. Um, so maybe something brewing there. I mean, she at one point was... Two two years ago, yeah. people were picking her to, to win, win the tournament. Yeah, so um, I think that that says a lot, and um, we kind of saw what uh sasha had done with naomi so who knows i like that good call um all right let's go to uh kiki modenovich's significant other is a contender on the men's side that is our segue let's look at the men's draw um my, my leading question to you is how big an upset is it jamie if nadal and Djokovic do not play for the 54th time two weeks from uh sunday in the final a how big an upset do you assess that as being and b who is the player or players that will uh, preclude that? Big upset, Big I upset. think. Um, I think we're sort of underrating how much is at stake for all these players. Now that I um, looked at the draw and kind of was diving into this, this lead up into the French Open is kind of really good on the men's side. I mean, there's there's a lot. I mean, we talk about... Nadal not really having as good of a clay court season as he, he typically does leading up to the French, but uh, you know he did get a win over Djokovic, so maybe that set, set the record straight a bit. Uh, but Djokovic is going for a second career slam. Right, four in a row. Uh, which is pretty incredible. Um, Nadal is going for 12. That's pretty incredible as well, I would <laughs> admit. <laughs> Very incredible. Uh, and Federer is back. And although he has only won the French Open once a decade ago, which is a really long time, uh, remarkable that he's still kind of in the mix and he's, he will be like the wild card, uh, in, in all this. So, yeah, I mean, everyone's sort of reading the tea leaves. Why is Roger playing the clay? And I think one of the reasons honestly is because he's been playing some really good ball lately. Uh, he was not necessarily not an outstanding clay court season for Roger, but again, he hasn't played the French Open in, in four years. Not the greatest draw, but um, this is a guy who can play his way into a tournament. I think that Rome final really loomed large going in. I mean, remember what happened in the Australian Open final when Novak Djokovic just obliterated Nadal. If Djokovic had beaten Rafa in Rome, coming off of back-to-back three setters in that environment with the French Open a week away, that's a devastating loss to Nadal. As it was, Nadal wins that match, and the Djokovic company line, I, th- I think quite rightly, is he, he was awfully tired. I mean, I don't know if he's sort of said, I'm not going to talk about fatigue, um, thereby discussing fatigue a- after that match. But, um, I, you know, Rafa had to win that match, and he did win that match. And I think he is the favorite uh, with the betting public. I'm picking him to win mostly just by virtue of history. It's very hard to pick against 
not only an 11-time champion and the defending champion, but also the guy who did win the previous clay court tournament. Right. So I think that third set of that Rome match. I mean, remember, Rafa wins that first set 6-0, which I believe is the first six-love set in 53 career matches that those two have had. I think that's the first set that either of them won six-love. Djokovic comes back. I mean, Nadal had break points to, to serve out the match. Djokovic comes back, wins the second set, and you're thinking, oh, boy, if Rafa loses this, in a way it's just as wounding as that demolition in Melbourne. Uh, as it turns out, Nadal wins the match. Djokovic clearly a spent player by the end, and we've got some intrigue uh, headed into Roland Garros. I, I think that the um, – I, I was doing a, a Tennis Channel event that I'll plug – a few nights ago, and player, oh, what about Dominic Team and what about Zverev and Tsitsipas? And I, I still think that best of five on clay is such a critical difference from best of three. Um, team won six matches, six best of five matches last year, reached the final. But I, I just think there's really um, there's a limit to how much I'm willing to read into a best of three win versus a, a best of five win. And I think that over the course of a, a best of five match, it's just that much bigger of a sample size, that much bigger a chance that uh, tennis will revert to the mean and the, the better player will prevail. That happens so often. So uh, especially in this best-of-five format, I have to believe we're going to see Nadal and Djokovic 54. And does it get any better for Nadal? He gets a qualifier, and then he plays the winner of a qualifier. Well, quali quali Or qualifier. Right. I mean, if that— no, you He know, won't play a top-100 opponent. Right. And I think I think that's the kind of thing at this point that he probably really needed. So if you ask me, you know, before the draw, I think the biggest question, uh, whenever we come to the French Open, who are you going to pick for the men? The biggest question is, are do you dare to bet? Are you willing to bet against Rafa? Right. 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 And I think if you asked me before the draw came out, I might have been feeling a little frisky and might have said, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe I'm willing. I might. I think Dominic Team is ready. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna win his first major. Now, and when you look at that, I mean, that's like it's like getting two good hands. You know, uh, when you're playing cards. I mean, he draws a qualifier. You're talking about Nadal here. Yeah, he right, draws right. a qualifier, and then he plays the winner of a qualifier versus a qualifier. I mean, it, that's just no, it, that's right. not and fate and luck in Paris. Right. I mean, look at Nadal struck. Gofan is a player that's really not gonna hurt him. Uh, I mean, you look at the other seeded players in his quadrant. Nishikori right. is not right. a player who's going to win a best-of-five match against Rafa on clay. Dimonor, Med Medvedev is a tricky opponent, but again, that's not the worst quarterfinal matchup. Medvedev uh, lost his last clay court match to Nick Kyrgios. And I, I think Med Medvedev comes in on a three-match losing streak. Is that right? Um, yeah, so no. And I think I yeah, think the, the larger point, though, that you raised, which I think is really smart, is that we, we pick names, and I think Halep, I think Plitcher. We forget about all the variables, right? So... Did your fourth-round match take your legs out from you? Was there a rain delay? I mean, Nadal lost a set to Diego Schwartzman last year, the only set he lost at the French Open. It rains. They come back the next day. The court plays differently. The sun is in a different place. Nadal's had a good night's sleep. He's in a better mood, and he rolls, right. wins in four sets. Everybody go home. Right. Um, we forget about all the variables that can go into uh, a tournament of this length and of this size with you know, 128 players, 127 matches, and something like Nadal not having to face a top 100 opponent until the third round, that is the kind of variable that um, that, that can help you out. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, the equivalent of walking on the street and finding a $100 bill on the floor. Well, there you go. A 100-euro <laughs> bill, Jamie. Um, who else do we have? Um, someone just sent me within the hour a long GQ profile on 
Francis. Foe. Yeah, Big Foe, exactly. Uh, Big Foe is the 32nd seed, gets very lucky, and gets the last seed, um, again, to complete one of our themes. So he will not face a top 100, op- a top uh, opponent ranked higher than him until the third round. That opponent is likely to be Sitsipas. Um, Francis, last American standing, safe to say? You with me on that? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, you have Taylor Fritz playing Bernard Tomic in the first yeah, round. You, uh, you know uh, our friend Tommy Paul, and last week's guest. Did you <laughs> see that? Yeah, Tommy Paul gets Dominic Team. Yeah. No uh, no John Isner, no Jack Sock will be playing that event we talked about, I think, last week. Uh, Jack Sock will be trying to work his way game work his game back. He'll be in Little Rock, Arkansas. Right. Um, right. Sam Query uh, could be a potential second-round opponent for Novak Djokovic, which is kind of interesting. Uh, t- it was only 2016 that he, you know, beat, beat him, him on at, grass. On grass. So, yep. you know, maybe a little bit of uh, – Something there for for Sam to chew on when he when he faces him, but yeah. You're you're with me, Francis. Yeah. Last last man standing I for so. uh, for for the U.S. I would also point out as long as going back to Query, um, Novak's first opponent, Hubert Hubert Herkosh. Um, I saw him a little bit in Indian Wells. Yeah. Nice young player. I mean, I don't I don't think Djokovic is going to lose, but uh, he could get he could get pushed around for uh, you know four four and four kind of match. Hmm. And um, as we were saying, goes to an extra set exactly, or gets pushed exactly. around a little bit. Right. That could play a role uh later on no look, look at uh, novak straw i mean again that women's top quadrant is that's that's the roughest quarter i've seen in a long time at a may that's that's that wimbledon quarter on the men's from uh, from a few years ago but right. novak's quarter you know there, there's some tough players uh munar comes from the nadal academy Gilles simone pushed him to five sets in australia a few years ago shapovalov born a chorich is a nice player fonini is now in career high ranking at uh age age 31 32 um Lajevic, uh, a fellow Serb. There, there are a lot of nice players. And uh, Bautista Gut, who's beaten Novak twice already this year. Zverev, I mean, uh, that's a rough quarter for, uh, for for Novak to come through. Speaking of Zverev, it's been an awfully rough year. Already double-figure losses uh, for the fifth seed. Um, to give him any chance, Jamie? I don't like that he's in Novak's quarter. Yeah, um, it's... Uh no, in, in a lot, I mean, not just in that's going to make it hard for him to win the tournament. I just think if, if you're a player that's really struggling and you're in a bad headspace. I was just going to took the words out of my mouth. Say it. No, the, the headspace. I think he, it depends on if he's in a good place or not. Um, if he's still, you know, riding the wave saying, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just not feeling it. I'm not in a good place. And he's telling himself that every day. Not good for the French Open. If he's been able to maybe find a new space and move on and really wrap his head around what he needs to do to get better. Maybe, you know, I, I, I think he's got to string together a first few matches, though, because he's hasn't proven that he can do that in the best of five format just yet. Best of five uh, has, has not been a friend. All right, top player seed 17 to 32. Fernando Verdasco, mid-30s, plays Dan Evans. That's a rough first rounder, but 23rd seed Fernando Verdasco, um, is a player to watch. I'm going to watch this guy, Matteo Berrettini, who's 29. He's six foot five. Not uh, a player that many people have perhaps seen play. He's already won win, one clay court title this year. Uh, an obvious pick is Stan. I mean, that there's a bunch of seeds. It's like 25. It's it's Felix. It's Stan. It's it's Verdasco. There's a pocket of seeds from like 24 to 28 that I would put up against any four seeds from uh, from from a bracket higher. Um, Stan is a former champion, of course. Comes in at number twenty-four. So, uh, Jamie, who do you got seventeen to uh, 
gives me lots of choices. Who do you, who do you got yeah. 17 to 32? Uh, I'm going to go with FIA. Nice. Um, I think, you know, he, he hasn't proven play is not his best surface necessarily, um, but we had him on. He's only 18. He should be able to play his way through the, for the first couple rounds. Um, and looking forward to first main draw appearance for him. So Del Potro is the, the first seed that he would play. And I don't know where, De, I mean, Del Potro's a little bit in the, in the Serena boat in, we, we all right. know what the ball striking is about, but I just don't think they have the match play, especially he, on the men's side, best of five. I will say though, he, he's back and healthy in his terms, which is good to see. I think tennis is better when, when he's playing. Uh, but he did have an unfortunate, he, he had to play two matches in one day, right. um, which probably not great for him and i think maybe uh maybe he would have gone a little bit farther you know he had had to play djokovic um but if if he's on and and he's healthy um he's had success so the best of five makes me nervous um do you have a dark horse outside the top 32 everybody likes uh garin the former junior champion at roland garris who's won multiple clay court titles in the last like 40 days um and i'll throw another one at you that uh, I suppose we need to give lip service to. Icarius unseated. Cameron Nori in the first round. Cameron Nori in the first round, obviously coming off the uh, the pyrotechnics <laughs> in Rome. But people forget that before that he beat Medvedev, which is a nice clay court win. Um, I you know I, I feel a little talked out on Curios, but if we restrict this to tennis, it's a rough unseated player. If you're uh, if you're looking at looking at names in the draw. Um, if you are, say, Zverev, when Kyrgios looms, that's not an opponent uh, I would look forward to playing. That's fair. Right. I, You know, he gets a – I was listening to him uh, on the podcast with Ben Rothenberg, uh, No Challenges Remaining, and I – he's just so uh, – he has such a different attitude than you hear from so many t- tennis players, and I don't know. It kind of, like, think it's a little refreshing that he – he has this perspective on kind of mental health and, and all these other things that I know aren't always displayed in his actions, but I think that it's 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 nice to hear somebody talk about it in the way that he does. Um, I feel like we have a whole suite of other podcasts that are waiting to use this room where we could talk about Nick Curios for a long, long time. I think <laughs> there's a lot of complexity there, and I think that um, I can't remember who. I, I want to give credit to the right person. I think it was Catherine Whitaker who uh, I heard talk about this, and she's absolutely right that it is not binary, and it's an oversimplification to say he's great and refreshing. I mean, there's a lot he does that's indefensible, and at the same time, I think you're right, Jamie. I mean, I think he is so different, and his approach is different, and there's a sort of sense of of candor there, and I don't have time for, for artifice, and we talk about other players who aren't necessarily authentic or they believe one thing and say another, I don't think he gets accused of that. Um, it's it's an interesting cast member to uh, to have. You wish there were more winning. You wish there were more professionalism. You wish there were more of a commitment. But no, I mean that remarkable podcast with Ben Rothenberg. And I give Ben a lot of credit for teeing this up. I mean, it, it takes a certain it takes a certain kind of interview to get those kinds of responses. Um, I think there's some question about whether the eruption the next day, I, I think there may have been a connection. He's articulated all of this. He's seen the response on social media. He basically, in so many words, predicted what he was about to do. He just got done with this therapy session where he questioned his own commitment and admitted to uh, having a less than wholehearted commitment to the sport and talked about his own professionalism and right. then 
12 hours later, uh, you're faced with adverse circumstances and you, and you throw a chair. I think it's, it's easy to um, make a connection there. But, but strictly keeping this to tennis, um, bit curious, interesting uh, unseated player. Dark horse in that, here. Uh, <laughs> top half of the drop. Um, all right. Um, we need to give up the room quickly. Is there one off-court story? This is a topic that uh, was sent to both of us in, in, uh, in the roundtable that will be forthcoming on SI.com. Is there an off-court story you will be uh, paying particularly close attention to? I mentioned it when we first came in here, but uh, the odd, oddly timed announcement right before 18 minutes or so, right before the draw was about to come out, ITF says that they have reached some sort of agreement to, you know, optimize how the ATP and WTA tours are structured. So uh, it should be interesting. That ill-conceived transition tour or whatever were uh the the euphemism is now the the itf pro tour that was so controversial and and so i mean i basically universally reviled from from all corners um not one of uh the itf's prouder moments but good for them for apparently recognizing that this was deeply defective and it, it does seem as though again the press release timing a little curious not sure uh what is to be gained by sending out a, a press release mere minutes before the draw of a major, but it does, that's a good point. That's uh, That will be a story to follow on this transition tour, which, again, we have had people on the podcast talk about it. It's been a lot of uh, a lot of chatter on social media and in the Players' Lounge. This is something that uh, sort of passed under cover of darkness, and then once people recognized the reality, they said, whoa, this is really, uh, this is really a bad system. And it, it does seem as though there have already been some corrections to that. So that's a positive. The other thing is, uh, which... You will go see very shortly when you arrive in Paris. But they last year after Nadal won, they knocked everything down and you know kind of started to rebuild. Um, so I'm curious to see. I think um, you know not just like optics, vision-wise, what everything looks like, but I think when um, you know courts are changed or you warm up in a different area or you got to enter a different way, and oh no, now this is how it works. Those kind of things can throw a player off, um, or just it's just not as comfortable. Um, if something's a little different and there's a the new court and there's some greenhouses and all this <laughs> other stuff that I read about um, in you know, um, an architecture magazine of all things, which I thought was very is interesting. Is that right? Yeah, they, they did I this whole big that. thing on the the new um, the new court. Um, the new court. No, I, I think that's that's uh, that's very perceptive, and I think I think honestly, I think the flip side of that, Jamie, is that good for the French Open. Um, you had the feeling that mostly because of the ground look, you're, you're in Paris, it's beautiful, it's, it's red clay, but you did have the feeling this event was slipping a bit behind the other majors. It's obviously pointed out it was the only major that doesn't have uh, a roof court. I mean, there coming could be rain delays this year. Yep, coming, coming next year. Oh. Um, and a lot of this was done. Some of this was, was bureaucracy, and some of this was, you know, there were— I've, I've never seen so much sort of the equivalent of city council legislation, but I think a lot of this is tied also to the forthcoming Olympic Games. But I think it's it's good for the French Open. I think it's good for tennis that the venue is is going to change. And I think you're right. I think for uh, you know we we see this at other tournaments. We saw this at the U.S. Open when suddenly the grandstand looked a lot different. Right, and do right. I take a golf cart or do I walk? And the yeah, practice. I mean, how it's does it changing. sound? I mean, the the noise was such a huge thing at the U.S. Open and camera um, angles. Yeah, how, how close the fans are, how loud they are. You know, where where who's in your right. sight line when you're sitting in the chair? I mean, all those things. I think, um, you know, we don't really talk about, or me, people may brush aside as they don't really matter. But I think that I think they do. I think you're right, but I also think 
give me growth over contraction any day of the week. So the fact that uh, the grounds are expanding and their new courts and new venues, that's a good uh, good sign, and especially for the for the French Open, which you did have this sense was starting to trail the uh, the other majors. You'll have to report back. Let I'll us know. happily report back. All right, we will do uh, periodic podcasts from the French Open. Um, but I want let's let's get this up. We got to give up the room anyway. But uh, let's get You've this got up. A flight to catch. I've got a flight to catch. Um, all right, there you have it. Our uh, quasi twenty nineteen French Open predictions. This is our draw ceremony here at the Sports Illustrated Podcast Studios. Thanks as always to uh, to Jamie who does such good work here. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, John. You do great work, too. I would acknowledge that. (laughs) Um, All right. If people wanted to sign up, leave a review, or uh, subscribe to this podcast, where might they go? They can go everywhere. They can go to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. They can go on Stitcher. They can go on Spotify. They can hear us anywhere. They can download. They should like and leave us a review. Sounds good. All right. Enjoy week one from the French Open. We will check back periodically. Thanks, as always, to Jamie. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again soon.